0: It might be doing more harm than good by prying into their private lives. An honest man has nothing to fear from the truth. Geoffrey Rush
1: is one of Australia's most famous actors. He's made dozens of movies, won an Oscar, and he's been Australian of the Year. Today, however, he is a diminished and, according to those who know him, shattered man.
0: Today I have filed defamation proceedings against the Daily Telegraph. In the Federal Court of Australia. It is an action I am taking in order to redress the slurs, innuendo, and hyperbole that they have created around my standing in the entertainment industry and in the greater community.
1: In this episode, we look at what happened once the Telegraph published its beat up, which has left Rush, his friends say, a shattered man. And it publicly outed the woman who accused him of sexual harassment against. Her wishes.
0: World exclusive King Lear. Oscar winner Rush denies inappropriate behaviour during Sydney's stage show.
1: When Jeffrey Rush woke up on November the 30th, 2017, his life changed forever. The front page of Sydney Daily Telegraph was emblazoned with an image of him as a deranged King Lear and with white face paint and a crown of weeds under a giant poster-sized headline, King Lear, L-E-E-R. And that was followed by a two-page spread inside the paper accusing Rush of inappropriate behaviour during a Sydney Theatre Company production of King Lear under the headline, Stars
0: Bad Behaviour.
1: The Telegraph's World Exclusive landed with a thump in newspapers and websites across the world, but there were big doubts about its accuracy right from the start. On social media, questions were immediately raised about the lack of detail to support the allegations. Channel 7's entertainment reporter Peter Ford tweeted,
0: One very vague claim, one anonymous
1: accuser, the dark side of fame in 2017. And Sydney Morning Herald entertainment reporter Andrew Hornery summed up the scepticism on Twitter.
0: 250 accounts collated involving Don Burke. One against Geoffrey Rush we know very little about, and denied by Rush. Journalists should exercise a little caution, perhaps. The damage can be irreparable.
1: But there was something even more worrying for the Telegraph's reporter Jonathan Moran and his editors. The deep divisions over the story within its own ranks at News Corporation. Not only had Melbourne's Herald Sun decided not to run the story at all, the paper's deputy editor, Chris Tinkler, sent out an urgent email to all staff warning his journals to steer clear.
0: Important notice for all staff. Do not retweet or post any articles regarding Geoffrey Rush.
1: And there was this follow-up by text message to Herald Sun staff warning reporters.
2: Under no circumstances, retweet, share, like, repost any stories about Jeffrey Rush on social media, etc., until further notice. The telly are running with a yarn which is highly libelous.
1: With me is Amber Schultz, one of the Inc. inquiry reporters who has dissected the Rush case alongside her colleague Georgia Wilkins. I should say that this is a production of Crikey's investigative unit, Inc., and 2SER's Fourth Estate. And you can listen to all the episodes at crikey.com.au or subscribe to 4th Estate at 2SER. What
2: happened next, Amber? Well, The Telegraph did what tabloids often do when they're trying to defend a shaky story. They doubled down the next day with a second sensational front page story about Rush.
1: And and did that follow-up story help The Telly's case?
2: Not exactly. In fact, it was later revealed to be riddled with misinformation. So the story alleged Rush had inappropriately touched an actor, a claim it said was supported by two other STC actors and various unnamed sources, under the headline, We're With You, alongside a photo of actor Maine Watt with the quote, I was in the show, I believe, brackets, her. But the article misleadingly reproduced only part of an actor's Facebook post that gave the false impression that his post was somehow specifically related to the allegations made against Rush, which it wasn't.
1: And then Jeffrey Rush bought out his own big guns, right?
2: That's right. Rush launched a defamation case against the Daily Telly, and he did it by reading slowly and deliberately from a prepared statement in the Melbourne city offices of his law firm.
0: The Daily Telegraph has made false, pejorative and demeaning claims, splattering them with unrelenting bombast on its front pages. This has created irreparable damage to my reputation, has been extremely hurtful to my wife, my daughter and my son, and to my extended family, as well as to many colleagues in the film, television and theatre industry.
1: And several months later, after lawyers from both sides had immersed themselves in every detail of the allegations, one of the biggest libel court cases of recent history, the battle between a world renowned movie star and a Take No Prisoners tabloid newspaper, was underway.
2: The defamation trial kicked off on October 22, 2018, in a packed courtroom on the 18th floor of the Federal Court in Phillips Street in Sydney, CBD. Jeffrey Rush was dressed in a navy suit, jewel blue shirt, and a matching tie as he walked into court flanked by his wife of 30 years, Jane Manolis, herself a formidable actor.
1: So how did the case kick off?
2: Rush's barrister, Bruce McClintock, S.C., set the scene with a demeaning description of the Telegraph star reporter, Jonathan Moran.
0: Mr. Moran is a gossip columnist. I don't wish to be unkind, but an investigative journalist he isn't. He was obviously desperate for a story. Poor Mr Moran.
2: McClintock then turned to the impact of Moran's stories on Geoffrey Rush.
0: These articles have had a devastating effect on Mr Rush, Your Honour, personally and professionally, as well as the destruction of his reputation and the naming him falsely as a pervert and a predator and someone who engaged in sexual assaults. There's, of course, as I said, the hurt to his feelings.
2: And McClintock told the court the effect the stories had had on Rush's earnings. Across five months from July to November 2017, Rush earned $1.5 million. That number, he said, dropped to 44000 across the 10 months between publication and the court date.
1: And then came Rush himself.
2: Yeah, it was like a command performance, except in his case it was truly and painfully personal, in front of a packed courtroom and the subject was himself. He spent almost three days in the witness box, Starting with his early career and then moving to the Telegraph stories and how they affected him.
1: It has been the worst 11 months of my life. I felt as though someone had poured lead into my head. I felt I had been ambushed. I was in free fall. I think the front page looked like a police lineup. It made a madman from the theatre look criminal in reality. And he was grilled by the barristers about his relationship with Aaron G. Norville. The alleged victim, right?
2: Yeah, in particular, there was this scene where Rush staggers in from stage left, a limp Cordelia in his arms. He lets out a guttural cry and he lies Cordelia on the ground, the scene where Norval alleges she was groped. McClintock, the lawyer, asked Rush what he was thinking as he played that scene as the grieving father.
1: For this scene, I always imagined that it was my own real-life daughter and that she had been hit by a bus on the street near where we live in Camberwell and I knew she was gone. I carried her to the footpath, and every night I would reinvent that scene in my mind because she's in her early to mid-twenties now, and she was my daughter, and I needed that. I I needed that trigger. What about his relationship with Erin Jean Norville?
2: He described it to the court as, quote, whimsical. He said text message nicknames the pair had texted and emailed each other since 2014, including Jittery Roosh, Jetly Thrush, Geraldine Nuff Nuff to Ear, and Jam Novelty were whimsical. When he said he had a stage door Johnny Crush on Norval in a Sydney Morning Herald interview, it was, quote, whimsical. And a text message with a panting emoji was, quote, whimsy.
1: And he was asked by McClintock, the barrister, about his actions in the scene with Norval.
0: What do you say to the suggestion that you are hovering your hands over Miss Norval's torso and pretending to caress or stroke her upper torso? Did you do that? Did you make sexual innuendos or references to her? Did you make lewd gestures in her direction? What about looking at her, sticking your tongue out and using your hands to grab the air like you were fondling her hips or breasts?
2: He denied all those suggestions and he denied that the play's director, Neil Armfield, had asked him to make the scene where he carries Cordelia quote, more paternal and less, quote, creepy, or that anyone had brought inappropriate behaviour to his attention. Armfield also denied ever asking Rush to change the scene.
1: Mm, And what did Geoffrey Rush have to say about the infamous text message he sent to Erin Jean Norville after the opening night of All My Sons by Arthur Miller? The text message accompanied by a half-smiling emoji. I was thinking of you as I do more than is socially appropriate.
2: Rush described that text message as, quote, a throwaway line, it's actually a joke, he said, that imitated the style of Groucho Marx, an American comedian born in 1890. When The Telegraph's barrister, Tom Blackburn, pressed him further on the text message, quote, if someone who was 65 years old and had sent your daughter a text saying, I'm thinking of you as I do more than is socially appropriate, with the emoji with its tongue hanging out, Mr Rush, would you think that was appropriate behaviour? And Rush responded, quote, I can't think of any context in which that would happen.
1: And then came Rush's wife. What did she have to say?
2: Jane Manolis was the first witness to give evidence in support of her husband. She said when she heard the Telegraph had decided to publish Jonathan Moran's story, she was trying to understand, quote, why someone would hate us so much. And then she described her husband's response to the Telegraph's publication in emotional terms. He was quite fetal at times on the bed. He put his head in his hands. He couldn't sleep. He groaned every morning when he said to me, I dread going to bed, and I dread waking up. Our days for eleven months have been appalling. Our eleven months, I would say, were like Groundhog Day, except in Groundhog Day it's the same day. With this, it got worse and worse and worse. I saw a man so altered and changed. His eyes sunk into his head. He retreated very much from, well, from the world. So
1: there you go, from a beat up to a devastated wife. Next up on Jeffrey Rush, Trial By Media, we're going to hear all about the accuser and the accusation. But if you can't wait till then, you can read all about it on crikey.com.au. Uh, this has been a co-production between Crikey, Inc. and Fourth Estate. Thanks for your time and thanks for listening.